Well, you guys are in for a treat this morning. Um, I have many voices that speak into my life. I have many people who, who are just amazing voices. But over the last decade, I've been blessed to have a relationship with the, the man of God you're going to hear from this morning. And I believe God puts people in your life to deposit something. And I can say this without a doubt that he came into my life to teach me what it meant to grow. And over the last 10 years, there has been no one, maybe outside of my wife, who has pushed me to be better and to walk in what God has called me to walk in. He's a walking miracle. He's one of my favorite preachers in the world, and he's a spiritual father of my life. Would y'all please welcome Pastor Joel Stockstill this morning. Okay, praise God. Well, it took me 10 minutes to get up here, so I hope they don't take that from my time. How's everybody doing this morning? I know some of you are a little cold in here, but hey, better cold than hot in Louisiana, amen? Hey, I'll take it all day long. Well, it is so good to be here, and what an honor to be at the Tabernacle. And I uh, brought back memories sitting by Brother Carl on the front row. I came probably 20 years ago, yeah, 20 years ago and preached in one of the buildings, <laughs> uh, one of the iterations of the buildings, uh, I think it was actually before Katrina. So we're talking, yeah, 20 years ago. And uh, I've been uh, back a couple of times since then, but I think this is the first time to ever preach on Sunday morning at the tabernacle. So I am honored to be here today, and I know we've got uh, a group from the Metairie campus joining us here. Everybody from Metairie make it here, I see. Okay. You got excuse me, I can't see that good because I got blinding lights in my eyes. So, but praise God. And I, I, I do want to tell you, it is warmer up here than it is out there. So that's a perk of preaching as you get under the heater. Um, but uh, just what a joy to be with you today as a church family. And uh, I just honor the leadership here, Pastor Carl and all that have gone before, and now Pastor Chris and Caitlin, who uh, my wife and I just enjoy a, a relationship with. And uh, I have to put up with seeing Chris every week now. And for those of y'all who know what that's like, pray for grace on me. Amen. No, it is so much fun getting to be with Chris, and uh, we laugh a lot, and we learn a lot, and we grow a lot, and we cry a little bit, and uh, we keep moving forward. Amen? Uh, I'm, I'm just honored to be back in my home state of Louisiana. Uh, actually, just this week, I just moved back to Baton Rouge and I've not been in Louisiana for 10 years, and so I'm back in the Cajun homeland again, and uh, I'm excited to be back in Louisiana. So y'all might be seeing more of me because I'm just up the street, or as Cajuns will say, just up the bayou, or down the bayou, depending on where you're at. But uh, it's good to be back in Louisiana. 
I have a word on my heart today for you that I believe is going to really speak to us from the Holy Spirit from First Chronicles chapter 13. And if you have your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever it is that you access the scriptures, uh, if you join me there in First Chronicles 13, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. Uh, it's probably my favorite translation to preach from. And we're, we're going to read a couple of verses here because there's a lot of good stuff in here. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're actually going to read down through verse 12. So if you didn't get to read your Bible today, we're going to get some Bible reading in. It says that David consulted with all his officials, including the generals and captains of his army. Then he addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows. If you approve and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send messages to all the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and Levites in their towns and pasture lands, and let us invite them to come and join us. It is time to bring back the ark of our God, for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. The whole assembly agreed to this, for the people could see it was the right thing to do. Now, I want you to notice that right there. Everybody could see this was the right thing to do. So David summoned all Israel from the Shehor Brook of Egypt to the south, all the way to the town of Lebo-Hemoth in the north, to join in bringing the ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim. Then David and all Israel went to Bala of Judah, also called Kiriath-Jerim, to bring back the ark of God which bears the name of the Lord, who is enthroned between the cherubim. And they placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house. Uzzah and Ahio were guiding the cart. David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. Somebody say they was having a party. Oh, you could do better than that. They were having a party. This was, this was better than Mardi Gras. They were, they were doing it up. Verse 9, but, somebody say but. When they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him dead because he had laid his hand on the ark. So Uzzah died there in the presence of God. Now, this is serious business here. Verse 11, David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah, and he named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is still called today. Verse 12, David was now afraid of God, and he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God back into my care. How can I ever bring the ark of God back into my care? I, I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes on giving God the benefit of the doubt. Giving God the benefit of the doubt. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to open the word of God, to break open the bread of life, to hear what the Spirit would say to us today. I thank you for this wonderful church. I thank you for the many years and decades of heritage and legacy and integrity here. And Lord, today we just ask you to open our ears and open our eyes to hear and see what you would want to speak to us today. 
I thank you that there are people here today that need to hear this word from you, Lord, and that everyone here would be ministered to by the word of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Now, let's back up here because we, we kind of get a whiplash in what happens in this story. We begin up here at the top with David wanting to do something amazing. He gets the leaders together. They decide to do something amazing. They start telling everybody about it. Everybody agrees it's the right thing to do. They're wanting to honor the Lord. They're wanting to honor the presence of God. They're wanting to do the right thing. And so they get in the process of bringing the ark. They're celebrating. They're praising. They're dancing. Everything is going amazing. Everyone is so excited because Saul now is off the scene. David's on the throne. And we're entering into great times in Israel, and everything seems to be going right. Right in the middle of this, something crazy happens. And that is they are transporting this ark on an ox cart, which I'm not going to get into this much, but they were never supposed to transport the ark on an ox cart. It was always supposed to be carried by the Levites. But they had seen the Philistines send the ark back on a cart, and so they just decided to do what they did, and they made a big mistake in their zeal to honor God. They actually dishonored God. And in the process of that, there were two guys named Ahio and Uzzah, and they must have been walking on either side to make sure everything went okay with the ark. And they must have hit some of those uh, Louisiana potholes somewhere around Kerry-Jerim. And when they hit one of those potholes, the oxen stumbled and the ark started swaying and it was, must have, was about to fall off. And can you imagine the ark of God, the solid gold ark of God falling into the mud? And that would not have been good. So Uzzah uh, decided that he needed to help the ark of God not fall into the mud, which seemed like a noble thing. And so he stuck his hand out on the ark, and he touched the ark. And when he did, it says that he aroused the anger of God. And it says that God struck him dead because he touched the ark. Now, we're in the middle of a party. We're in the middle of a celebration. We're trying to honor God. Everything seems to be great. But in the middle of that, something goes bad, bad, wrong. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever had anything in your life that went bad, bad, wrong. Anybody in here could say you've had something in your life that just, it just went wrong. It just, it just, maybe it was a car wreck. Maybe it was a loved one passed away. Maybe it was a marriage that ended. I don't know what it, maybe a kid that you did everything you could and they turned out in a way that you didn't foresee. I don't know, something went bad wrong. Something went bad wrong here. And it says that David got angry. Verse 11, David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. And in verse 12 it says, Now he was afraid of God, and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of God back into my care? So, Everything was going this way. 
Everything was positive. Everything was wonderful. There's celebration. There's rejoicing. They're praising God. Everybody's in agreement. And then all of a sudden, things go sideways, and they get real negative real fast. Can you imagine? I mean, this dude, and I don't know what happened. I don't know if he just, you know, he had a Fred Sanford moment where he had a heart attack or, or if he got burned up like the sons of Aaron in the tabernacle or what. We don't know what happened. We just know that that brother was dead. He, somebody say, he gone. Yeah, he, he gone. Uzzah is gone. And David is like, you, you just imagine what David was feeling like. He, he, at first, he was shocked. Then it says he got angry, and then it says he got afraid. And, you know, we were reading this a couple of weeks ago, and I've preached on this passage before, and I've brought out different things, but I, I began to hear something from the Spirit that was different and, you know, when you read this, I don't know about you. I just got to be honest with you. When I read this, I'm like, you know, God seemed like he kind of overreacted some. You know, and I, I know we're not supposed to say that kind of stuff in church, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because that's what everybody thinks when they read this. They're like, now, why did God kill that guy? He, he could have done something different, but that was extreme. He didn't have to do all that. He didn't have to kill him. In fact, he was trying to honor the Lord, it would seem, by putting his hand out and steadying the ark. Better he do that than the ark in the mud, which is what he must have thought right before he put his hand on the ark and got struck dead. And, you know, we start down this road in our mind with these type of passages where if we're not careful— we start thinking that we actually know better than God what should have happened. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life where you just, you, you just don't know what God was thinking? Come on, anybody in here be honest enough, be like, man, I don't know what God was thinking. And, and we also sort of assume that the way we're thinking about the situation is the right way, and God, the way he's thinking about it, is the wrong way. Come on, y'all quiet on me in here today. This, this isn't a shouting message. This, this is a reflection message. This is, this is a message of conviction. Because, you know, the Lord was dealing with me because, once again, when I read through this, and I had read it in, in, in Samuel, and now I was reading again in Chronicles, and every time I read this story, I kind of think, man, God, that was extreme right there. You know, and then I start thinking, you know, maybe God needs to go to anger management class. You know, maybe God, maybe God's having some trouble with his temper up there. And, and then, and then, you know, we've all read books and different things about emotional intelligence and people skills. I start thinking, man, you know what? God needed some people skills. God just reacted in a way. He, he, he wasn't thinking about having good people skills when he did this because everybody there was just trying to honor him, and here he goes and kills somebody. And that just is like, man, we don't know. And, and then even beyond that, as believers, when people 
who aren't saved and who have an issue with the Lord, when they bring this stuff up, what do we do? We get embarrassed. We're like, man, you know, I don't know. I mean, God is God, and God can do whatever he wants to do. You know, we kind of come up with some of that religious stuff. But, but deep down, we're kind of like, man, God, why did you do that? You're making yourself look bad, and I'm having a hard time defending you down here because they were just trying to worship you, and you went and killed somebody. And so all this stuff is going on inside. When you, when you really get into the Scripture, you really start seeing this kind of stuff. You know, there's, there's so much of the Bible that's just so amazing and and I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will be continually on my lips. And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me by, by still waters for his name's sake. He restores my soul. All that stuff is just wonderful. But here we got God killing Uzzah, and we got to deal with it. What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do? We're serving a God who even in being worshipped was willing to strike somebody down, and so now we got trouble because we don't know how to deal with this. And, and then, even worse than that, we get in situations in our lives where we are doing our best to honor God. We're doing everything in our power to be obedient to him and to serve him. And maybe you're tithing and, and, and you're coming to church and you're doing this and that. But then something crazy happens and you're like, God, what the heck is going on up there? Anybody ever felt like that? I remember back in 2004, the end of 2004, October 28th, I got married. Oh, and it was glorious. I felt like I'd been waiting to get married forever. And I got married, and about two and a half years later, my, my beautiful young wife is diagnosed with cancer. And I mean, I'm serving God. Pastor Carl, I'm leading the youth ministry. I'm getting all these kids saved. We're seeing all kind of amazing things happen in Disciple being made. And then all of a sudden, it's like, what? God. It, it, it felt to me, it was like us. It was like, God, everything's going this way. You're doing all these amazing things, and we're praising you, and we're winning souls, and we're doing all that. But then up, up, all of a sudden, we're headed this way. And it didn't make any sense. And about nine months later, she passed away. And then it really didn't make any sense. And I'm like, David, I went from shocked to angry to then afraid. Because I'm like, man, if I can marry the love of my life and be married two years, and then all of a sudden, boom, she's gone with cancer, who's going to say that's not going to happen again? And there was fear that got into my heart. And, and I was, I was, as we like to say, I was frustrated with God. You know, there's frustrated and then there's frustrated. Anybody in here been frustrated? I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, God, this, this doesn't make any sense. What are you doing up there? And, and what happens is when these type of situations happen in your life, a lot of times, instead of dealing with it, 
we just try to sweep it under the rug and maybe act like it didn't happen or say, well, who can understand the Lord? And we move on. But deep down inside, we're still mad that God didn't intervene in the way that we thought he should or that he, he allowed something to happen that we didn't think should have happened. And, and we start, if we're not careful, it, and it happens, it's so... <laughs> It's so in our human nature. We start judging God. Now, God is the judge of the universe. He's our judge. We're not his judge. But when you read this story and you see here, David decided, like, God, why did you do that? And he moved into that place that I know I have moved into. And if you've served the Lord for any amount of time, you've been tempted to move in this place where you begin to judge the Lord for what he did or what he didn't do. Why did you do that? Or why didn't you do that? Or why did you wait so long? I think about Mary and Martha in John chapter 11. They just knew, because they were friends with Jesus, that Jesus was going to show up and heal Lazarus. And when he didn't, and Lazarus died, when Jesus did show up, Mary and Martha separately were like, Lord, if you had just been here, this wouldn't have happened. In other words, we know what should have happened but you obviously didn't, and you made a mistake because if you would have done what we knew you needed to do, none of this bad stuff would have happened. And boy, I'm going to tell you right now, we got to be very careful when we move into a place where we start thinking that we know better what God should or shouldn't have done. And I don't know what it is about us as humans but we, we got this, this thing in us where it doesn't take much before we all of a sudden, we know better. I know for me, it doesn't take much at all. Something happens and immediately my mind goes to, well, this is what should have happened right here. And I think what the Holy Spirit began to minister to me and began to really convict me from this story with Uzzah was, why don't you give me the benefit of the doubt? Why don't you give me the benefit of the doubt? And boy, when, when I felt like the Spirit, Pastor Chris, when the Spirit asked me that question, I felt like it was like a knife went in. Because I realized whenever anything happens that I don't like or I don't think, I immediately go into my judgment mode of God. Why did you do that? Instead of saying, God is a loving Father, he is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. I know hardly anything. He knows everything. <laughs> he has all power. I have no power. <laughs> I can't even heat up a marshmallow with my power. <laughs> I got to get a fire just to heat up a marshmallow. <laughs> and so, but he's got all power. He He's the one who turned the sun loose with the nuclear explosions that are happening every second on the sun that keeps everything perfectly balanced and warm and heat and summer and winter and all these things. 
and here I am with no power, but yet how quickly I notice that I am willing to judge God. I mean, I mean it don't take anything. And I'm, I, I step right over into the judgment seat and judge God and think that I know better think because I read some book and I know this and I know that. There would be no book if it weren't for God. I would have no brain to read a book if it weren't for God. I'd have no body in which a brain to be if it weren't for God. There would be no planet Earth if there were not for God. But yet, somehow, I believe it happened in the garden when the serpent deceived Eve and Adam and they ate of the fruit. All of a sudden, they got this default mode that feels like humans know better than God. And isn't that what the devil enticed them with? He said, God knows that the moment you eat of this fruit, you'll be like him. I got news for you. When they ate the fruit of that tree, they did not become like God. No. They became less like God than they were before. But something happened in the mind and heart of humanity that positioned ourselves to judge God instead of knowing that he judges us. And so, like, I was, I was looking at this story here. I'm like, okay, God, let's give you the benefit of the doubt here. How do we give you the benefit of the doubt in this story? And it said, verse 10, Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him dead because he laid his hand on the ark. I'm like, well, first of all, Uzzah might have been a bad guy. He might have been a hypocrite. He might have been like Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, and he might have been running around sleeping with people in the tabernacle. And God was long-suffering, but when this moment came, it was a time of judgment for him. And I thought, you know, the Holy Spirit's just speaking. I thought, well, you know, I never thought of that. And I know the Lord doesn't speak this way, but it's like, in my mind, it's like he spoke to me. Hey, yeah, dummy, there's a lot of stuff you hadn't thought about. <laughs> so I started thinking about that, and I thought, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe so. And then, and then, and then I got thinking, I thought, you know, there's more here, too, that could be going on. Obviously, we weren't there. We don't have a lot of context for what was happening, but, but, you know, they they didn't do things properly, and they treated the ark as something that wasn't sacred by putting it on the ox cart instead of carrying it like God said, and and the Lord was defending the holiness of His presence because He knew if they didn't honor His presence they would end up just treating it casually and taking it lightly. And so there had to be a demonstration of the holiness of God. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's good. And, and then I, I just kept thinking, I kept thinking of thing after thing after thing that somehow I never thought of before because as soon as I read that, the only thought I had was, God, that was harsh. God, that was extreme. And, and then... I started getting convicted in my life about all these things that happened that as soon as they happened, I immediately began to judge God 
and began to say, God, why did you do that? And, and, and so I, I realized that whenever you ask the question why, you're immediately positioning yourself as having had the right answer and God having the wrong answer. Did your mama ever ask you, why did you do that? Inevitably, everybody's mama asked them that. And I'm going to just go ahead without doing a poll in here. Did your mom ever ask you, why did you do that when you had done something good? No. No. When my mom said, why did you do that? It, it was because I had hit my brother. Or because... I had taken some of the trash out of the trash can and thrown it at somebody. Or anything you can imagine that was stupid, my mom would ask me, why did you do that? Now think about it. When God does something that we don't like or agree with or we think is not the right thing, what do we ask God? In the very fact that we're asking why is the presupposition that what he did was wrong and we know that what should have happened was right. Think about it. Boy, and I just started thinking about all the times that I've asked God why. And first of all, I don't think I've ever asked God why and got an answer. Anybody in here ever got an answer? from that question? Probably not. So there's really no reason to ask it because God doesn't answer stupid questions. In fact, if you want proof of that, go to the book of Job. Job spends the whole book asking God why, and then God answers him from the whirlwind and never answers why. <laughs> He talks about the hippopotamus. He talks about the crocodile. He talks about the deer. He talks about the stork. He never says why. He just says, I have the right to do whatever I want to do because I know what's best. And so I started thinking about how much time I've wasted in my walk with God asking why. Now, God, why did you do that? Well, Number one, God's not going to answer that dumb question. Number two, because you're positioning yourself as God's accountability instead of honoring him as your accountability. Now, that was good, what I just said right there. We put ourselves in the position of holding God accountable. Why? Why did you do that? David was in the same place, and it's good to know that even the man after God's own heart asked God, why? God, why did you do that? Why did you kill my boy Uzzah? And he, instead of saying, Lord, what happened here? And if David had looked, which he eventually did, he would have realized what he did was he doomed Uzzah to death by not having the Levites carry the ark on their shoulders like they were supposed to. So was it God's fault that Uzzah died, or was it really David's fault? Uh-oh. And when you really look at it, you have to come to the conclusion 
that it was David's fault because he got all gung-ho, and yeah, his heart was to honor the Lord, but he didn't do it in the right way. And so, in fact, David was probably blessed that only one person got killed. And so David, instead of being angry with the Lord, he should have been angry with himself for not, not really doing his homework in how to honor the presence of God. And ultimately, he came to that conclusion. But you know, when we get in situations and things start happening that, that we don't understand, it takes faith, it takes humility, it, it takes a heart after God to say, God, I don't understand this one bit, but I know that I am a finite being with a very limited perspective. You see and know everything. So if this is what has happened, I'm going to trust your goodness in this no matter what it looks like to me. Boy, that is not easy, y'all. I know for me, maybe it is for you, but for me it's not. To say, Lord, I, I trust you. you. You know, in 2020, I took over Surge, our, our church planning movement that my father had started. And I just, I felt the call of God to do this. And I took over and everything was going good. And then in January of 2021, one year after I took over, it seemed like all hell broke loose. I mean, anything you can imagine that could possibly go wrong seemed to go wrong. One of the things that happened was my wife and I got in a wreck, and it totaled our brand-new vehicle, and I injured my leg really bad. And I remember I, I, I think I was in the worst pain that I've ever been in from where I, I hit my leg on, on the left side under the knee, and it was right on the nerve that goes up to the backbone. And, I mean, it just felt like fire in, in my leg. And I remember laying there, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like where David was. I'm like, Lord, I am leading a church planting movement for your glory. Everything I'm doing, I'm doing for you. And you're letting all this stuff happen. And then here, here comes the, the next, the big word. Why? Why? In other words, Lord, you're not supposed to be doing this. Lord, you're not supposed to be allowing this. Lord, I know because I am down here and I know so much that this is not a good time for you to allow any of these things to happen to me. And in my infinite wisdom, I'm going to question you and, and then I'm even going to get mad at you and throw me a little fit in my mind and think, well, you know what? I'm just going to quit. You know, let, let me let you in on a secret. God is not threatened by your threats. He, God is not up on heaven, up in heaven asking Gabriel for another Xanax because Joel is down here making threats. <laughs> God is not nervous. In fact, it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. And he probably laughs really hard at how dumb I act sometimes. 
Because I'm down here acting like if I was just in charge, everything would be great. You know, I hate to bring it up, but I got to bring up politics for a second. Okay. You know, it's funny to me that everybody thinks that if they were in charge, that they could fix everything. You know, sitting at my house, or the other day I was at the gas pump, and finally the gas prices are going down. You know, miraculously, election year, they, they tend to go down. I, I, did I say that out loud? Okay. Anyway, I'm thinking this, and I'm like, you know, if I was president, I would just make the gas prices low. I would just make them low. Now, and then I kind of got tickled at myself because I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about how stupid it is. Because ask me how much I know about regulating the cost of petroleum. Yeah, that would be a big fat zero. But in my mind, it's like, you know, what's Biden doing up there? Why doesn't he just make the gas prices lower? And, and then I start thinking, if I was up there, I would make the gas prices lower. And then I thought, I kind of got tickled because I thought, what would you do if you were president tomorrow to make the gas prices go down? I don't know. I don't know. And then I start thinking, you know, if I was president, I wouldn't be filling up my car with gas. Somebody else would be driving me around. I wouldn't even know the cost of gas because I would get driven everywhere in a limo and fly on helicopters in Air Force One. So I don't think that would even be a big concern for me because I wouldn't even ever go to a gas station. In fact, they wouldn't let me go to a gas station if I wanted to go to a gas station. You know, and, and, and so I start thinking this, this hilarious little example of me just thinking about me being president, making gas prices go down. And then I start thinking about the absolute stupidity of me assuming that I know what is best above Almighty God. And yet it happens all the time. And w what happens when we do that? Because we inevitably, we all do this. It, we're not giving God the benefit of the doubt. Now, let's, let's bring this to a close. Let's say, Joe, what are you saying today? What I'm saying today is, as you continue on in your life, or maybe there's even situations that you're still mad about with God, and I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand because everybody in here ought to raise their hand. At some point, you've been mad at God about something. But moving forward, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, instead of jumping to conclusions that I'm wrong and you're right, why don't you give me the creator of the universe, the one who spoke and everything came into existence, the one who made mankind out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Why don't you think about giving me the benefit of the doubt? I thought, you know what? It sounds simple, 
but it might not be easy all the time. And then I started thinking about Jesus, and I thought, you know, Jesus did some things, and they didn't get the benefit of the doubt. I mentioned earlier, Mary and Martha, they didn't give him the benefit of the doubt because he didn't show up on time. And I started thinking, man, you know, if Jesus were alive, of course, we would give him the benefit of the doubt. But then I thought about that. I said, no, no, if Jesus were still here, we would inevitably find things that he would do that we would think were wrong or should be done differently. Or if he didn't do what we wanted him to do, we'd be mad at him because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. And I had to be honest with myself. You know, because sometimes we think, well, if I was around Jesus, of course, it's Jesus. Yeah, until he did something you didn't like. And there's something inside of us, our fallen nature, that the Spirit of God is trying to put to death on the cross. And that is this thing where we do not give God the benefit of the doubt. And so I'm like, you know what? Moving forward, I am going to give God the benefit of the doubt to the best of my ability. Because I know, and Pastor Carl, you could testify to this better than me because you've been serving God a lot longer than me and you've seen a lot more than I have. All you got to do is serve the Lord just a little bit. And you're going to come across some things where you're going to have an opportunity to either give God the benefit of the doubt or not give it the benefit of the doubt. You know? Think about the building sitting over there right now. Say, Lord, why would you allow us to not have our building? We just want to be there to praise you and to worship you. You know what? We're going to get out of the judging God business and just say, you know what? The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. What did he say next? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Where too many times in my life it's been, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. How dare he do that to me? <laughs> Think about it. And you're going to see, I, I, I believe in the next week or two even, some little situation is going to happen. And because this word, this seed is inside of you, you're going to go to question God or to think something, and boom, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you, and you're going to have an opportunity to say, you know what, up, up. I was getting ready to judge God. I was getting ready to not give him the benefit of the doubt. I was just going to assume. Because when you don't give somebody the benefit of the doubt, it means you assume they're guilty. It means you assume that that's their character. You assume that they're just doing that because they absolutely want to harm you. But giving somebody the benefit of the doubt happens when you know their character, when you know their nature, when you know who they are, and you say, hey, I know it doesn't make sense, but I know that person, and let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Have you ever done that for somebody that you knew really well and somebody came and you said, well, you know such and such did this. You say, well, you know, I don't know about that because that, that's not consistent with the person that I know. How much more should we do that 
for the God of the universe who gave his only begotten son that none would perish and who died a brutal death on the cross and defeated death, hell, and the grave and sent us his spirit and loves us and has made a place for us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. We are talking about a God who's so good we'll never fathom it for all of eternity. But yet... Do we give him the benefit of the doubt? And I know when something good happens, I say, oh, praise the Lord. But when something bad happens, I don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And so hopefully from this, this it's, a, it's kind of an obscure story in the Bible, but it gives us a good vehicle to see our humanity and how we have this tendency to question God, to judge God, and to not give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm seeing so many young people today deconstructing their faith. And I, boy, this bothers me and it grieves me. And, and I begin to ask the Lord, Lord, why are all these young people deconstructing? Lord say, because they don't give me the benefit of the doubt. You know, I say, all these things. Most of the time when you ask a young person who's deconstructed their faith, their explanation begins with, well, I just can't serve a God that X. I remember someone was interviewing Oprah, and Oprah just said, I couldn't serve a God who's jealous because the Bible says he's a jealous God. Why would he be jealous of me? And I thought, well, first of all, that's not what the Bible says. But he's not a jealous God like you're jealous over somebody's Louis Vuitton bag. He's jealous over the affections of your heart because he loves you so much. But see, that right there is illustrated. I can't serve a God who is a jealous God. I can't serve a God who would be against the people in the Old Testament who had slaughtered the children of Israel. I couldn't be against a God who this, that, on the other, always something. And it's never giving God the benefit of the doubt as being the living, true God. And you know what? I'm not deconstructing anything, but I still find myself not giving God the benefit of the doubt. And so I, I, I'm making a decision. I'm making a decision. I'm going to do everything in my power, and I'm going to even ask the Holy Spirit to go beyond my own power to convict me and show me every time where I began thinking, moving, talking, acting in a way that's not giving my God the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to get out of the God judging business and get back over into allowing God to judge me. Because you know what? Whether I want to let him or not, one day, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. And it don't matter who you are. I don't care if you were president or you were Oprah or you were a movie star or you were a billionaire or you were nobody from the bayou. You're going to stand before Almighty God. And guess what? You're not going to get to bring your accusations against God on that day. 
we're going to find out what it's like to stand before an awesome God. And so I'm saying, Lord, purify my heart from this pride that would think that I know better than you in certain situations, that would judge how you've acted and say it wasn't right or it was harsh or I'm embarrassed because you did that. And just say, hey, this is my God. I love it with all my heart. He wants good for me. He has plans for good and not bad to give me a future and a hope. And whatever happens in this life, I'm going to bless the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you for your word that always brings clarity. It encourages us. It admonishes us. It corrects us in our wrong thinking and wrong acting and wrong doing and wrong being. Lord, I just thank you that you're just pointing out some things in our hearts today. You're helping us to see some things in our hearts and lives that maybe have been sneaking around in there. Maybe there's some, some disappointment that's turned to bitterness or offense at you. So many people today are so easy to be offended because I believe in their heart they're offended at you, God. Maybe as a kid, things happen, and they wonder, where was God when this was happening? And they became offended and hard in their heart. Maybe they were in a relationship, a marriage, and it didn't work out. And they're still wondering, God, why did you allow that to happen? Why did that person leave me? Why did that, why did that job not work out? Why did I get fired? Why did that hurricane happen and destroy my life and I have to move here and there and my whole life get turned upside down? And I don't know. There's a million things that can happen. But today, the Holy Spirit is asking this question. Will you give me the benefit of the doubt? Will you trust me that I'm God and I will make the right decisions and the right moves. Will you read a story like this about Uzzah and instead of saying, God, why did you do that? Say, Lord, I don't know why that happened, but I know you did the right thing. Maybe you're here today and you're not serving the Lord. And it's probably because something happened and you're still mad at God about it. Or you don't understand why it happened, or you don't understand this and that. And There's accusations and arguments in your mind against the Lord. Today, you want to come to that place of just surrender. Where you say, Jesus, I trust you. Lord, I'm, I'm going to choose to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to choose to believe that you're good and you have good things for me. If you're here this morning and 
this word is just, it's, it's messing with your heart. It's, me, it's messing with your life. And you know the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. And, and you just say, Joel, you know what? I want to make a decision today that I want to give God the benefit of the doubt. And I haven't in one, two, or a hundred areas, but today I'm wiping the slate clean, and I'm going to give God the benefit of the, doubt, of the doubt moving forward. Whether I understand it or not makes no difference. If that's you, I want you to just lift up your hand just wave it at me. I'm going to give God the benefit of the doubt. That's right. I see different ones all over. Just wave it. Just wave at me. Just say, that's me. That's me. That's me. In fact, if that's you, I'm not going to call anybody forward, but if that's you, I want you to just stand up on your feet because I believe the Holy Spirit's ministering to some people today. There's some things that you need to let go of. There's some disappointments that you need to let go of. There's some hurt that you need to let go of. There's some things that didn't happen that you thought should have happened that you need to let go of. There's some things that did happen that you didn't think should have happened that you need to let go of today. In fact, if you're just standing, I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord and surrender. Just like you're saying, Lord, I'm giving this stuff to you. I'm lifting my hands because there's some stuff I'm, I'm giving the Lord today. <laughs> I'm just saying, Lord, I'm just giving all this to you. I don't understand it. And sometimes, you know, you kind of get past it, but then it comes back again, and you got to give it back to him again. <laughs> There's some things I've given to him over and over again, and I just keep having to give it back to him because I keep wanting to take it back and hold on to it and get bitter and get mad. And eventually, David, he got over it, and it took him three months, but after three months, he realized we better carry it on poles. He went down there and got it, carried the ark on poles, and everything went great. He learned a valuable lesson. So did the whole nation. Lord, I just pray for those here today who are just lifting their hands. They're standing up in faith saying, I need to give you the benefit of the doubt. Lord, I just thank you that you are just moving in their hearts. Whatever that is, that maybe that one or two things that's really at the front of their mind when they think about this, that today they're finally going to be able to just turn that thing over to you, to give it back to you, to say, Lord, I'm, I'm giving it all to you, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You're worthy of it. The fact that he came, was born of a virgin, lived without sin, died on a cross, and rose again from the grave says he's worthy of being given the benefit of the doubt. In fact, he's worthy of not just the benefit of the doubt, all trust, all worship, all reliance, all dependence he's worthy of. It's us who have struggled to give it to him. Lord, I thank you for that today. And I'm just asking you to minister, Holy Spirit, to those who have stood and lifted their hands, that you would just minister to them today, that they would find healing in their hearts for things that they've had disappointments, they've had hardship, they've struggled to give to you. Holy Spirit, you're so compassionate. You're so tender. You're the comforter. You're the counselor. You come and you help us in our frailness. Lord, in, in my weakness, in my frailness, in my humanity, my fallen nature, you come and you help me to follow Christ and to love him and to worship him and to give him the benefit of the doubt. 
Now, I want to ask everybody in here, just stand on your feet with me. It's the Holy Spirit's just moving in here. And I want you right there just, just to lift your hands to the Lord and surrender to him. Let his presence just wash over you. Let his presence just minister to you. Let his presence just affirm his love and his desire for goodness in your life. Just make a fresh commitment in your heart to give him the benefit of the doubt. Lord, we just thank you today for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Where would we be without your wonderful, amazing grace? We thank you that you died for our sins, that you sent the Holy Spirit to be in us and live in us and dwell in us and make us into a vessel that's acceptable unto you. It's not our own works. You said, I'm going to do it all inside of you by the power of the blood and the Spirit of God. Lord, I'm asking you to change the way we think. Change the way we think. Where we tend to be quick to be accusatory towards you. Let us be quick to ascribe honor and glory to you. Where we're quick to get upset because we didn't get our way, Lord. Let us be quick to thank you that we didn't get our way, but we are able to find your way through the word of God and by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for it today. We give you glory. We give you honor. Pastor Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'd like you to stay standing with your hands up for a minute. The Holy Spirit was speaking as he was just ministering there at the end. Paul writes that he gives grace to the humble. And earlier in his message, Pastor Joel spoke about how it's a prideful place to be, to question God. And so I believe many of you in here this morning, you're, you're struggling walking through whatever it is you're walking through, and you're asking God, where is he? And I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, I'm trying to give you grace, but you got to humble yourself first. But when you can say, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, you're taking the position of humility, and I believe grace is going to begin to come, that you can walk out the thing that you're struggling to trust him in. So if that's you and you could say, Lord, I need grace this morning, just lift your hands. I'm not talking about grace because it's cold in here. I'm talking about grace to walk. And y'all know it's cold if I'm saying it's cold. I'm talking about grace because I don't know how I'm going to keep walking out the marriage I'm in. Grace, I don't know how I'm going to keep walking out the diagnosis I have. Grace, I don't know how I'm going to keep walking out the financial pressure I'm under. Grace, why, why? No, no, no. I trust you. I trust you that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than mine. So this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask that for every heart that takes a position of humility, I ask that you would begin to pour the grace of God out on them right now in Jesus' name. I pray that the grace of God, that your, your marvelous, wonderful grace that, that pulled us out of the pit, John 1 says you give grace for grace. 
So I ask that you'd give us grace to walk out this life. That when, when we're starting to feel sick because of whatever we're battling, you're going to give us grace to walk it. When we, we get in the, we look at the bank account, you're going to give us grace to walk it out. When we, we get into the, the, the arguing with our spouse or the situation, you're going to give us grace to walk it out. Because we're no longer judging you or doubting you, but we're giving you the benefit of the doubt. Jesus, we honor you this morning. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.